Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Monday the 12th of May. Well, coming up in today's episode, I've got a fascinating interview with Rachel Elner, who many of you will remember from Dragon's Den. She's one of Britain's best-known entrepreneurs and has recently written a book called Business Nightmares. So we talked to Rachel about failure, success, and what it takes to to get through the hard times in business and to come out the other side and enjoying entrepreneurial success. So interesting discussion well worth waiting for other than that i've got uh, all the uh, comments that i didn't play last uh, episode to catch up on so your listener comments and uh, an audio comment too so thanks ever so much for all of you who have written in by email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk and uh, glenn bickler in particular for leaving an audio message on the uh, Small Biz Pod phone line, which you can find the numbers and all the uh, Skype line at the Small Biz Pod homepage at smallbizpod.co.uk. And always very much appreciate your feedback and comments, so keep all of that coming. Other than that, I will be asking you a question at the end of the interview in relation to Rachel Elner, and you will get the rare opportunity on Small Biz Pod to win something. I have offered a, a, a book, I think, or several books um, as a prize previously, some while ago. But uh, if you would like a copy of Rachel Elner's book, then you can enter this kind of mini Small Biz Pod question. I've got three of her books, Business Nightmares, to give away. Don't think that it's a negative book. The title is not very nice, but the stories within are quite inspiring because a lot of the a lot of the really well-known successful entrepreneurs that we know today have had businesses fail on them or have gone through really tough times. So it's actually really instructive uh, book, I think. So well worth uh, reading, well worth having, particularly well worth having if you're going to get it for free. So uh, I'll ask a question at the end of the episode, and as I say. If you get it right, first come first, well, the first three uh, to send in an email with the correct answer will get a copy of Rachel's new book. So there we are. One other quick plug for the Going Solo conference. You'll remember in the last podcast, I interviewed a number of the speakers at that conference, which is specifically aimed at informing and inspiring and educating uh, freelancers on how best to make the most of uh, their freelance and consulting careers. It's in Lausanne in Geneva. It's well worth attending, as you'll recognize if you listen to that show, um, Small Biz Pod six, number 67, I think it was. And uh, yeah, it's in uh, Lausanne, as I say, on the Friday the 16th of May, which is uh, at the end of the week in which this particular podcast is released. So head over to going-solo.net to check that out and uh, it's well worth going to, in my opinion. Albeit that uh, I can't make it, sadly, because I'm on holiday on that day, but there we are. Okay, on with the interview with Rachel. Okay, well, I'm here at the uh, the Business Startup Show, as you can probably hear. It's very, very buzzy and noisy, which is always a good sign. And I'm here with uh, one of Britain's best-known entrepreneurs, Rachel Elner. Rachel, welcome to Small Biz Pod. Hello. Now, uh, I've just butted in as, as, as people wanted to queue for photos um, and so on and so forth, and you really are a celebrity entrepreneur, one of the first. Is that a curse or a blessing? 
Well, it's quite interesting because I did Dragon's Den about four years ago now. And so to me, it's sort of ancient history. But it's quite interesting that that show has really captured the imagination. Of course, it's still being replayed on, you know, Dave channel or whatever. And so I'm still quite taken aback because to me, I'm just a normal person who happened to be on television. And it's quite nice to, um, to still have that attention, I guess, and to sort of um, uh, be able to to kind of help people, I guess, on their own entrepreneurial journey and, and be at shows like this and, and give people a bit of motivation and support, really. But you equally saw the uh, the negatives when you were in the kind of the full full glare of the media spotlight when Red Letter Days started to, to, to go through trouble and, and eventually uh, into administration. That must have been a hellish time for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that the hellish time was really the two and a half years I spent trying to save the business. And I, it really did feel like going into battle every day. And I didn't see my family and I was in London every every hour God sent trying to battle to save it. So I think when the end finally came back in 2005, actually it was a bit of a liberation. And yes, there was a whole media fallout, but actually the interesting thing was that the, the harder the media tore into me, the more messages of support I got from normal people who said, look, this has happened, but you know, it may be the start of something really big. And I think it was those messages of support which really helped me get through that and see that actually there was light at the other side of this terrible thing. And actually my life has improved a thousand percent, you know, since then. So I think in life you can sort of fear things. Um, I, I would just say that maybe just roll with it and, you know, life, you're on a journey and um, there may be something even better out there for you. Now, you, you, like all entrepreneurs, I imagine, I mean, you started actually very young. I know you were at Anderson's, and then by about 24, I think, you were, you were managing your first or MD of your first business. Presumably, you made lots of mistakes along your, along your entrepreneurial journey and, and learnt from those um, early on. Yeah, I mean, I, I was 24 when I started it, and I'd grown up above my dad's shop, so business was in my blood, and I'd also spent seven years in accountancy specializing in the taxation of small businesses, and I kind of thought, well, business is easy. It's just like, well, you just start up and money comes in, and, <laughs> and I very quickly d learned that it was actually really, really difficult to get a business off the ground, particularly something new that's a totally new concept. And yes, I made loads of mistakes. And I think the way that I worked through that first 18 month period, when most businesses do fail, and I came very close to failing during that time, the way that I worked through it was really to ask for help and find really good people who took me under their wing and took pity on me almost. And I learned a lot and I was very receptive to help. And I think that's what got me through because when we did actually turn the corner in December 1990, it was literally like a snowball going down a mountain. And from that moment on, when we got it right, it just took off and it, it snowballed exponentially. And it was almost like challenging to keep up with it. And it was really exciting, but it did take a good 18 months to get to that point. Now, during, of course, that growth, you, you get through the startup phase where it's, it's a bit rocky early on and then takes off. You then get through to what is arguably perhaps the most difficult phase, which is where the business grows beyond 20, 30 people and it becomes more M than S of the SME, if you like. That's a whole new set of challenges. And I know I've read somewhere that, that, that you felt that when you passed Red Letter Days over, or when you got a CEO in, that perhaps that was the beginning of things not working out quite right or you'd lost passion for the business. 
What advice would you give to people who are who have, who've got that decision to make? They've been an entrepreneur, but they, at some point they've got to begin handing over the reins. Yeah, no, I think the thing in business is that when it takes off uh, and starts to grow, it's actually very, very, um, it's a bit like a drug and you want more of it. And there's a temptation to, to be big, just for bigness's sake, I would say. And it's quite a male thing. And it's kind of like, I want to go from 10 million to 20 million to 50 million to 100 million and float. And the thing is that actually, if I look back, I wished in some respects I'd have kept the business at about 10 million. We were, we were turning, when we were turning over 10 million, we were making a million pound profit a year. I mean, what a great business. But of course, as an entrepreneur, you can never just say, that's nice, I'll just keep it ticking on yeah. at this. You have to keep going, and I think that can be sometimes your downfall. And it did, I did actually end up losing my passion for it because it was like running a huge machine with crisis management, putting out fire, firefighting every day, as opposed to doing really the innovative marketing stuff, which I think I loved, you know. You sound really like a born and bred serial entrepreneur, who, you know, somebody who, who, who kind of likes the idea, creating, building, and then move on to the next thing. Would that, would that have a hint of truth? Yeah, I think that the trouble I have is, is moving on and letting go. And I think women are, are, probably have that problem in that when you have a, when you create a company as a woman, you kind of give birth to it. So you have a real emotional attachment to it. And it's very difficult to let go and to step back or even to sell it. And now I speak to a lot of female entrepreneurs who sold out who still wish that they kept their baby, you know. So I think it is different for women. Um, I do love the startup phase and I love, I think I'm actually quite good at creating if I sort of had to think of what is my core skill, yeah. uh, whether it's children or businesses or books. I mean, I, I'm quite, I think I've got quite a lot of creative energy, which has to have finer channel, whether it's business or other things. Uh, you mentioned your children and it, it always surprised, well not surprised me, I've got, I've got two kids myself and the, a lot of the dragons on Dragon's Den, a lot of high profile entrepreneurs have quite a lot of children yes. and I think you have five yes. kids. Is being a parent an advantage as an entrepreneur? Well, no, I, I think you'll find the answer in Napoleon Hill, actually. Who, when his classic book, Think and Grow Rich, 1937, where he looked at all the great entrepreneurs of the time, and the one thing that he found is they all have a huge sex drive. Oh, right. And uh, it's quite interesting that, actually, it is true that a lot of very successful people have got a huge families. Um, but I think the thing is, being a woman in business, it's much easier to have children if you, if you control your own destiny, destiny and you run your own business because you can do, you can structure it as you like. You're not in a nine to five corporate straitjacket and that's a massive advantage. Yeah. Now, in the early days, you were, you were about 20, 20, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, women had to be very mannish to get on in business. Oh, that's, that's the stereotypical view of the past. Yeah. Has that changed and have you changed over, in terms of the way you do business? Yeah, I think there is a big temptation, isn't there, for women in business to become as hard as men and to dress up in a navy pinstripe suit and prove that they can be just as assertive and tough. And actually, I think that women in business are changing and I, I really encourage women to be feminine. And I think actually the businesses, the great brands which are up and coming now, are what I call very Zeta brands. They're about ethics and integrity and harmony and spirituality um, and I think that women have got a great opportunity because if you look at all the businesses which are starting to go down the pan 
like a lot of the banks and the big institutions and British Airways, they're all these big corporate faceless organisations that people don't really emotionally engage with anymore. And I think that women have got a huge opportunity, but I would say be feminine and use your natural energy in the best possible way. In, in, in connection to that is the sort of growing interest and passion amongst many for social entrepreneurship and on, an entrepreneurship which very directly does good. It, it, it makes money but uses that money to feed back into the business or feed back into local communities. Is that something that you are tempted or, or indeed are already involved in? Well, I think all of the best businesses to start with do give great stuff, whether it's fabulous products, great services, unforgettable experiences. And I think the only difference between taking that into social entrepreneurship is what you do with the money. Um, so I would actually say that any business, whether you're a sociopreneur or not, starts with giving great stuff. And so many people approach business thinking, how can I make money? And it's such the wrong place to start with. And, and people who start out with that, what can I take, really, I think, are very, find it very difficult to succeed because really you should be starting with saying, what can I give? And I think that most people who then have success in business, um, you then find that they do start becoming increasingly philanthropic mm. with the business as, it's, as it takes off. I think that's just, a, I mean, as, there's a generational thing as well. I think there is a, there is a whole generation which is perhaps younger than you and me that, where, where those, those issues, where the earth, uh, you know, green issues, environment, uh, society are much more important than perhaps they were in the, the red and tooth and claw 80s. Well, yes, and I think that the fact that this, the, the internet has opened that up, there's so much communication there's so much truth out there and access to it that how can you enjoy your Ferrari knowing that it could probably feed an entire African village for a decade or yeah. something? <laughs> and I think that people are increasingly wanting the world to be structured in a different way that because there's, there's so much abundance, why can't it... Why do some people have to live in abject poverty while other people have more stuff than they need? And I think people are starting to realise that they have got abundance. I mean, you know, garages overflowing with stuff, eBay's full of stuff. The world's got too much stuff and it's, it's with too few people. No, I, 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 I have great sympathy for that perspective. Now, you've got a book coming out uh, next week, although this podcast will probably come out after the book. But anyway, that's by the by. It's called Business Nightmares, obviously inspired perhaps by your own business nightmare what did you learn about business failure because you, you interview a, a whole range of extremely now extremely successful entrepreneurs all of whom have gone through failures and nightmares uh, there we are it's the, the we love we love live recording in strange places what, what, what were the key things that you learned from from interviewing those successful people all of whom had failed at one point or another Yes, the interesting thing for me when I was going through my own business problems is that I didn't really know that other people were going through them too. And certainly I didn't discuss my problems with anyone else because you want to keep it under wraps. And after it crashed, suddenly all these people started telling me their own stories of their own nightmares. And I just thought, well, that's interesting because if I'd known all that while I was going through my problems, I wouldn't have felt so alone. Yeah. And I wouldn't have felt like I was the only one going through problems. And so one of the real things I wanted to do with the book 
was to show normal entrepreneurs that problems are the norm and also that quite often you can finesse problems into even greater success. Um, and so I think that the whole book, despite the title, is actually quite positive because it's about keeping faith and optimism and hope and calling on help to get you through the hard times. And often at the other side of the hard times are even greater successes. Um, so really it's a book for entrepreneurs to kind of take heart from, really. Who do you ask for help? Um, I think the help comes to you if you send out a message of intent, and that sounds a bit woolly, but I'm a great believer in the law of attraction, mm -hmm. that if you actually just ask the universe, you will start to suddenly meet all the people that you need, whether it's you go to a networking event or someone invites you to something and you think, oh, yeah. that's an interesting thing. So just go, because actually there may be just that person there. And there's so many examples of synchronicity that I've woven into that book that uh, I think it's very, very powerful. And, and whilst we may not understand it, I definitely think there is something out there that the, the, the help will be sent, but often not in a logical way and from the most left field person that you just don't expect to hold the answer. So I'd say keep stay open and stay receptive and, and anything unusual that happens, say yes to it and see where it takes you. I think in, in life and particularly when you're building a business, actually being open and aware to opportunity, which in many ways is the entrepreneurial essence, is being open to opportunity, yeah. creates a whole range of uh, things that happen that, that you couldn't have predicted happening. Yeah, I think the only downside to that is that you see opportunity everywhere, and certainly I do. I mean, yeah. I was reading National Geographic yesterday, randomly, about China and seeing these space pods which is like uh, for tourists, so it's like a pod with a little ladder and you sleep in it and you hire oh, yeah, them for... Yeah, yeah, and I was thinking, yeah. hmm, Bakewell could do with space <laughs> pods and how, I wonder who manufactures those and could I import them? And that's suddenly my mind and that's another right. whole business idea. So, and I think as an entrepreneur, actually one of the big problems is focus. You yeah. have to actually be really focused about where your heart lies and focus on projects which are related to that because you can end up going all over the place and have 101 started pro projects which you never quite finish. So are you going now, which brings us on to where you're going next, are you going to, are you going to be famous for being a celebrity entrepreneur or, or what, what are you doing next? Well, most of my work at the moment is in the small business sector, helping and inspiring and motivating um, entrepreneurs to achieve success. But I've kind of taken that a bit further into what I call the well-being sector, because what I've found in trying to help people is that you have to start with their energy. And if people's energy is flat on the floor, it's very difficult for them to achieve anything. So actually what you have to do is get them back to a place of positivity and hope and optimism and joy and passion yeah. before you can start doing anything with the business. And so I'm a great believer in, in kind of personal energy and, and I think also that success isn't just about money, it's about fulfillment. So quite often when people are struggling in business, it's because they're doing something that isn't aligned to their purpose. Uh, and quite often people will actually completely change business or remodel or change direction onto a path which is much more suitable for them rather than just chasing money and trying to put, swim against the current and not having much success. So you're in kind of nurture mode? Yes, but I think it is the next big sector actually. The whole well-being sector I think is massive. I think there's a different way of running business. It's not about this pyramid structure. I think it's about collaboration. 
and you look at any of the big uh, the big success stories of recent years like Skype or um, Facebook they've all been very collaborative businesses which have actually the customers are just as much part of the organization as the founders very collaborative very magnetic and very viral and I think that's the future of business Rachel Eleanor, thanks ever so much thank you so there we are. I thought that was an intriguing interview with Rachel and certainly revealed parts of a character that perhaps we've not seen previously either on Dragon's Den or in the, the press or some of the, the reporting and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I think uh, an interesting insight into uh, the, the kind of the, the nurturing side, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship for, for good element uh, well-being uh, and the perspectives that I think an increasing number of people are uh, viewing entrepreneurship from. I'm so interested to hear your feedback on what you thought of uh, that particular interview. Uh, before we uh, finish, though, let me ask a question. And you have the first three correct answers to this question submitted by email or indeed audio comment if you fancy it to alex at smallbizpod.co.uk will win a copy of Rachel's books book called Business Nightmares. So the question is which company did Rachel leave to set up her own business and how old was she when she did it? So okay two-part question. The answer is in the podcast so email me the answer at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk and as I say first three to arrive will win a copy of her book so there we go prizes on small biz pod it can't be bad can it okay now on to um, an audio comment from a long-standing australian listener called glenn bickler g'day alex it's glenn here from melbourne australia just wanted to say that you're doing a fantastic job and um just not sure about the name Small Biz Pod because you're interviewing pretty big guys and talking about pretty large topics. So yeah, it's fantastic. So keep up the great work. I am curious um, of what you actually do for your day job and um, what you do for your own business and how you got into it. So it'd be nice to hear a little bit about what you do and, and also what drives you and your passions. All right. Thanks, mate. Bye. Well, thanks ever so much, Glenn. You know how much I appreciate audio comments, and I hope that inspires one or two other listeners as well just to, to pick up the old phone, uh, call me on Skype. Skype's free, so you can call in from anywhere in the world, and you know, as long as you're on Skype, if you Skype me at alex-smallbizpod, then you can leave a message nice and easily. No problems at all. So, yeah, more of that would be great. Glenn, um, some great questions as far as Small Biz Pod is concerned. Yeah, in some respects, uh, people have said before, oh, maybe you should have called it BizPod, but uh, there we are. BizPod would have allowed me to speak to some of the bigger names like the uh, CEO of Alibaba without Small BizPod sounding a bit odd. But nevertheless, the focus is still very much on small businesses, on entrepreneurship, on startups. And uh, Alibaba, a big company, but aimed at, at smaller businesses themselves. So it all kind of fits in. And I'm, I'm quite pleased that uh, that's the focus uh, but yeah, thanks, uh, thanks very much for the compliments, Reed. Some of the the, the bigger name interviewees that, oh, yeah, interviewees, yeah, that we've 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 managed to to get over the last few weeks and months. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed, I certainly enjoyed mixing it up. Actually, I'm really really passionate about interviewing some famous people like Rachel Elner, famous entrepreneurs, but also people who entrepreneurs who people have never heard of because they both have 
fascinating stories, both sort of sets of entrepreneurs have fascinating stories to tell. And it's the individual personal story and, and some of those pearls of, pearls of business wisdom that are, are absolutely essential. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's what keeps me going, what keeps me motivated and passionate about this particular podcast. And to answer your, your question, Glenn, about what I do, and maybe one day uh, somebody, maybe, maybe one of the listeners should do a, a podcast where they interview me <laughs> about that. We'll also see if anyone fancies that. We'll try and set that up for a really rather bizarre episode of Small Biz Pod. Might be quite fun, I don't know. Uh, but to answer your question briefly, um, I started off, I set up a, a PR business after I left HSBC. And uh, I still do a little bit of PR here and there, but my prime focus is on building Small Biz Pod, the podcast and the site. And uh, it's going very well. And it's, you know, listeners are probably getting about 18,000 downloads a month in terms of the podcast, 17,000, 18,000, um, about 50,000 visitors to the, 50,000, 60,000 visitors to the uh, website each month. And those numbers still continue to grow. So it's very much where my sort of business focus is at the moment is actually Small Biz Pod, and that's certainly where it will continue to be. So hopefully, uh, as this little business grows... Uh, we'll be able to get you know more regular and even more interesting top uh, topics and content and interviews for all of you listeners and uh, increasingly viewers too. So thanks very much, Glenn, for that comment. And um, yeah, any questions about anything in the show uh, in the past, now, where it's going in the future, just uh, just drop me an email or leave leave me an audio comment, and I'll do my best to answer those. Now, just very briefly to um, comment. So I had a call from the BBC, uh, a production company that is looking at a doing a documentary on a business which is currently failing. They want a young entrepreneur who's going through a business failure. Very appropriate link in with the, the title and topic of this particular show. Uh, having interviewed Rachel Elner. If you are going through that terrible time now, the BBC would like to potentially do a, a sort of reality TV documentary on your experiences. But they're really looking for an entrepreneur who knows that they're going to bounce back and it's not going to be about uh, the negatives per se of business failure. It's going to be very much about moving on how you how you move on from business failure towards success it's it's a, the 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 program is uh, aimed for uh, bbc3 i think which is a kind of the bbc's youth channel so if you're interested if you're if you're sadly going through that experience and you and you feel that you wouldn't mind letting the bbc into your life then let me know alex at smallbizpod.co.uk and i'll put you in touch with the uh, right person other than that, um, thank you to Brian Cress in Edwardsville in the USA, who's currently at university, and he studied his own podcast, Helping Entrepreneurs. Um, I, his uh, podcast and website is called businessonthemound.com. Do check it out. Uh, he's done some, actually, done a really great little YouTube video, which I was very impressed by promoting his site. So, uh, yeah, he was just looking for a bit of advice on podcasting, which I've given him. And, uh, yeah, uh, so it looks like he's doing some interesting stuff. Always interested to see what other people are doing in the kind of small business field in terms of podcasting and online. Uh, the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. And then, finally, I think I might have mentioned this previously. Not sure. But Mark Richardson from Tasmania 
in Australia wrote in to say that he'd, he'd written in before and he'd set up in an electrical uh, business called Applied Electrics some while back and let me know about it. And I think I mentioned it on the show. And only 18 months old, this business, but it's growing from strength to strength. I think he now employs full-time uh, people on the road and one in an office. Uh, they've got deals, franchise deals and uh, around Australia. And his business really, really does look to be uh, going very well indeed. Really, He really enjoyed the interview uh, I did with, uh, or the, I didn't do it, but the interview with Levi Roots that we put on Small Biz Pod. Um, and uh, yeah, just is kind of... Uh, glad that Small Biz Pod has helped him along the way uh, and is still an avid listener. So thanks um, ever so much, Mark, for that. I'm really glad to hear your business is going well. Any listeners out there who've launched businesses and do you know, let me know how they're going. And uh, always interested because, you know, you are potentially future guests on the podcast um, and you can always appear on the podcast. Why not send in an audio comment about your own business and about your, your own uh, journey. Uh, we can always uh, resurrect the kind of diary of a entrepreneur feature or, or the diary of a not young entrepreneur feature, whichever. So there we are. All good stuff. Now, well, just before I go and just before I introduce this week's music for this episode, do check me out on Twitter. Twitter is a fantastic thing. It takes a little while to get used to it. I'm not going to explain it now. It's a bit like SMS messages, I suppose, but online and on your mobile phone, 140 characters. I'm Alex Bellinger, simple as that, on Twitter. Check me out and also do check out Small Biz Pod on Facebook. We have a Facebook group and you can join that. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, that would be great if you did. And do invite Others, tell your mates, because uh, it would be really lovely to see uh, the the numbers on the, in the Facebook group grow. I think we're, we've got about 174 or five people, and uh, I've got about 500-odd friends nearly, I think, on, on Facebook. So if you're out there, if you're a listener to the show, if you're on Facebook, do friend me, do join the Small Biz Pod Facebook group. Okay, so that is about it. And now, as ever, I uh, have to randomly, or not randomly, I have to uh, quickly try and find the uh, title of the music that I'm about to play. I can never remember what it is, but, oh yeah, I know it's a monotonic track. It's a track from the net label Monotonic, and it is a really rather superb piece by an artist called Delayscape, and it's called, it's quite a funky piece of electronica, I think. And it's called Breaking the Square Waves.